0: you're listening to this episode of the ruby on rails podcast take two <laughs> take two false start edition yeah false start edition we are we are back to it uh so uh, kyle pretend like i've never said the following three minutes of content done uh have i told you about uh how i use the standing desk as my recording setup kyle no so you know where the display usually is um on the floor right no, oh, you're doing it wrong. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, right up by your face. Right, so I just put my microphone there. Oh, man. Now, <laughs> that's the smart part. The dumb part is I put my uh, laptop, which is what I record on, where my keyboard goes, mm-hmm. which is difficult to read for me. <laughs> Down yeah. Yeah, so I do an awkward limbo. Uh, I was actually
1: looking at uh, microphone stands on Amazon this
0: week. I think I'm about to take the leap i think that i may do that too because i've got like a good setup for it and i could just sort of swing it over i could hook it up to like a pa system in the house too which i think would be very funny
1: (laughs) oh man that's dangerous
0: Well, Teresa is always saying that the the babies respond better to my voice. So if I hear them crying from the other side of the house, I'll just say something stupid over the PA system. <laughs> babies, stop <laughs> your crying. If that were I, the worst possible thing is if that worked. That would be, <laughs> be terrible true. for for everyone. These are true things. Yeah. Yep. So, anyways, that's my recording setup. Microphone where the display goes. Laptop where the keyboard goes, me in an odd position when I have to read anything.
1: So I sit on my butt because I prefer to die 10 years earlier. And then I have this, like, boom stand that I've been borrowing for the past year from a friend. <laughs>
0: borrowing? <laughs> yeah. I think I after don't... a year, you're not really borrowing <laughs> it like anymore.
1: My neighbors. <laughs> we, squ- have, we have neighbors across the street who are very nice, and we, uh, you know, borrow stuff from them. And... Um, I forget the last thing I borrowed from them, but currently we have their iron. Uh, you my bo- wife borrow my, a bottle of wine? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> my wife borrowed the iron, and the iron has been here. I think we're going on week three. Uh-huh. Yeah, you have an ironing board or those neighbors. Yeah, we do have an ironing board We think we just misplaced the iron in the move or something, you know
0: Well, who needs it when you got neighbors you can
1: I work from home. And so I mean an iron seems like a
0: luxury item Really? (laughs) What is this iron? Yeah Uh, All right So a few follow-up topics Uh, My health just the same as it was back is now aching on the right side instead of the left has me wondering if I've gone (laughs) crazy My right hand slightly worse. Thanks to the uh, thanks to everyone for the well wishes (laughs) <laughs> Having heard
1: this for the second time, I really want to, like, create a jingle now. You know, Sean Devine health update. tonight.
0: Yeah, exactly. Every week. Uh, now, th- this was more fun to talk about. So, uh, we talked about uh, plus size eyeglasses last time. And embarrassingly, like you ever have that moment in life where you realize that something that you've thought a lot about You've never googled and that you feel real real stupid. Like it's kind of like if you go I actually had this happen the other day. So I was in in Dallas uh, for uh, some business and I Went to the office on day one of the trip and the, the company that I was there for has moved since the last time I was in town so that they're at a, new, a brand new office and the first day. I don't know what it was but I did not go to the men's room the first day and then the second day I think it's because I was there half a day and whatever so the second day I show up and uh uh I, I you know was wondering where the men's room was and it just was not obvious where, where it was so I walk up to the receptionist who I'm kind of friendly with this older woman who's really funny and I ha- I had to ask on the second day where the men's room was that's a really embarrassing moment because <laughs> Right, because you know the person's thinking, like, uh, what what'd you do yesterday? Like, you know, what, huh? I wouldn't what? recommend checking out the office plants. <laughs> right, right. So, exactly. Don't, don't mind the, the yeah. ferns. Uh, <laughs> well, so I felt that way about uh, kind of stupid not having ever Googled for this. But it turns out if you search for fathead glasses, there are options, including fatheads with a Z.com not the uh, vinyl wall stickers fat heads but yeah, it's Tom Brady wearing glasses. yeah exactly no this is the uh, you know13 uh, sale at hovercom FatHeadsWithAZ.com. so next time I'm gonna try it out now we uh, we're gonna have to have trouble recapturing the moment but if you go to FatHeadsWithAZ.com, with the you'll see that they have models that uh,
1: Answered a very unique casting call.
0: Yeah, two of the three, I think, fit the bill. So there's a guy on the left that has a fat head wearing glasses. (laughs) And there's like a guy in the middle also (laughs) with a fat head wearing glasses. And then on the right, there's an attractive female model. (laughs) Yeah, it just doesn't fit at all. I'm very confused. (laughs) Yeah, they just went right to... uh, I, I think that... I don't know. I mean, they probably got all of them off of some sort of stock imagery. I would hope. Uh, It probably is just there's like an ample uh, selection of guys with fat heads and (laughs) fat head stock photo. Let's see if they come up. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Turns out all of the women just look like models that uh, they have. Yeah, yeah, I believe it. Yeah. All right. And then last uh, follow up item is we got some recommendations about uh, eyeglasses to fight eye strain. And you're the gamer, so you are more familiar with them than I am. Yeah. So
1: uh, they're called gunners. So, um, uh, someone who listened to the podcast reminded me. Um, I thought about it last episode, but I was uh, sort of nervous to bring it up because I thought it would like out me as a Uber nerd, but. Um... <laughs> Way too late. (laughs) But it's basically these yellow tinted glasses that are uh, supposed to help with eye strain when you're sitting in front of a computer or looking at a screen for a particularly long period of time. So in the gaming community, people who play video games professionally or have to sit at a computer for a very long time, you know, to make their living, wear these silly yellow glasses uh, and supposedly help with eye strain. And they help one of our listeners. So uh, I recommend them, I guess. I've never used them, uh, so I can't really
0: speak much to it. Yeah, I'm gonna give them a try. What the hell? Yeah? Yeah. I think so. Oh boy. Okay. I think if I worked more at night, I don't work a ton at night. If I worked more at night, I would definitely get them. Working in the day is not a huge concern, really. Uh, and I don't anticipate gaming any more than I ever have.
1: (laughs) Well we we can fix that.
0: (laughs) I I don't I mean like I kind of like the idea of playing games. It just is never I don't know. It's never a High enough on the list that it beats anything else out.
1: Yeah, no, I only game after like eight thirty p.m., <laughs> and then there's a very short window before I'm like, I'm tired. It's usually like <laughs> eight thirty-five or eight thirty-six. I'm like, I should probably bed just time. go to bed.
0: Yeah. All right. So th- those are our follow-up topics. So I say let's do uh let's do our first sponsor, and I think it's a good segue into our main topic for the day. Okay uh today's first sponsor is dev bootcamp we talked about them a little bit last time i'll read the the ad copy and then i looked up a few things so we could chat about it so if you're thinking about uh becoming a software developer check out dev bootcamp they're the original short term immersive software development program that transforms those new to coding into job ready full stack web developers can learn front and back, uh, back-end back web development, teamwork, and leadership skills in a rigorous and inclusive environment. Dev Bootcamp has several locations around the country and is accepting applications now. You can go to devbootcamp.com ruby to learn more. Um, they have graduated many people from this program. Have you looked to see how many? No. 1,900. I mean, is that a lot? It seems like a lot to me. It's not a small number, right?
1: It's enough that the odds are you're working with one probably.
0: Uh, you right. Right. In San Francisco I've, at least. Yeah, I mean, I've looked up how many uh like web developers there are in the are in the US before. It's not tons. I no. mean, I don't know what the number is. I think that there are something like what 2 million people with uh um that have accounts on Stack Overflow, if I remember right. And you figure they, like, and maybe I've got that number wrong now, but you figure the U.S. is some, you know, fraction of that, maybe half of that. So, anyways, 2% of those are Dev Boot Camp <laughs> graduates. <laughs> uh, it's a nine-week remote part-time plus nine-week uh, on-site full-time plus one-week career prep program. I think that's kind of interesting. I think it's, I think if it was zero on-site, that'd probably be a mistake. I think it's... Uh, probably an interesting idea to have a part-time remote just, you know, and that people may have trouble uh, keeping it up if you're not used to it for uh, that long remote. I think the one week career prep is kind of smart. Anyways, I don't know much personally about the program, but uh, many people have gone through curriculum looks interesting. Um, It takes 19 weeks, Uh, you know, not exactly cheap, but, uh, uh, you know, they clearly have some practice doing it. So, why don't you go there, check them out, devbootcamp.com slash ruby to learn more. All right. So our main topic today, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot, but I've got my own sort of version of this uh, topic so we can have fun with it. Uh, so should you finish your college degree? You've chatted with me about that sort of offline, at least a little bit. Yep. And uh, I figured that's a, uh, since you haven't yet made a decision, at least not that I knew of, and uh, I have a, a sort of similar uh, circumstance, and a kid in college. I figured, uh, what the heck, let's talk it through. Yeah. F- figure out your life in the next 40 minutes.
1: Okay, hold on, let me just get on my couch real quick and we can <laughs> start
0: this thing. <laughs> so tell me, Kyle, uh, uh, so give us the background. So where did yeah, you leave yes. off? So, uh, so I went to college for
1: theatrical lighting design at Boston University. Uh, always did computer stuff but wasn't keen on doing it as a career because my perception was insurance. So you'd go to college for computers and then go work in insurance, and that sounded horrible. Because so, you're from Hartford. Yeah, because I'm from Connecticut. And so, you know, you're, you're like I said, your computer conception is very tight. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so I went to BU. Actually, I really loved it. Um, it was great. Uh, the first year, uh, We, my family uh, wasn't – making very much money. And so I got to go for very inexpensive, um, for a, you know, pretty expensive school, not one of the most expensive, but pretty expensive. Um, and then, yeah, family situations happened and basically I stopped getting financial aid, um, which made things a little bit tough to go to a 40 something thousand dollar a year school there. So I made it through, um, let's see my sophomore year. Uh, between my sophomore and my junior year, I took an internship um, in Las Vegas, actually, working for a pre-visualization company called ESP Vision, uh, which still exists, and they're doing great. Um,
0: Wait, what is pre-visualization? Oh, yeah,
1: sure. So, uh, pre-visualization is, for at least for the lighting design community, the idea is you 3D render the stage, the set, and uh, like the rough people, as well as the lighting plot, and you connect a console to a You have the lighting console, which normally controls the lights that you would plug into, like, at a venue, uh, to a computer. And the computer, just like a video game, renders out the lights based on the control signals from the console. So you're able to pre-program an entire, like, concert tour or live event or television show, basically, before getting to the venue where it'd be very, very expensive to sit there for hours and hours and hours, you know, making the lights look pretty. Um... And so I worked for them uh, while I was uh, in college. Uh, And that sort of, I think, is what brought me back to computers as like a potential career. Because it was like, oh, I can do computer-y stuff and not,
0: um, you know, like hate it. <laughs> so, was there like a like a scripting language or or kind of a like a wizzywig program? The the I don't know program.
1: So, I didn't do any programming on the actual application. I kind of went like as just a lighting nerd type person who was interested in moving lights at the time. Um, and the the actual application is basically written in a game engine uh, using C plus plus, and I had nothing to do with that. So, what I was basically in charge of was helping um tours who come in uh and use like they have like a sort of like black box amphitheater type thing where like, it has a speaker system huge projection screen you plug your console in so you kind of get to feel like you're at this this event whatever it is you know while you're while you're uh, programming the lights for it and so my my job was mainly to help those people use the software make sure their lighting plots were right you know that kind of stuff um So this is between sophomore and junior year you did that Yeah yeah and i built a couple of tiny web applications for them like i built a um uh like a, a gel picker and so gel and lighting is like that clear piece or that piece yeah. of plastic that makes the light a different color and i was hoping you're
0: gonna say you wrote a blog engine in a to-do list just to- <laughs> no no <laughs> I, I basically oddly that's what they needed who, who knew no i built it it was actually kind of cool
1: like i i wish i had the code for it it basically uh when you have, a, without getting too deep into this, when you have a, um, they call them color scrollers, it's basically this old school apparatus that you would put in front of a normal light and it would roll cuts of gel into the light and then roll them out. And so a single light could have, you know, 8, 12, 16, 24 colors on it um, instead of like normally you'd only have one for like a You know a standard fixture that couldn't move or anything Uh, so i basically built this thing where you could type in the gel colors and i'd I'd render you out an image that had the necessary colors in it so then you could load it into esp vision and use color scrollers in your in your design um but that but anyway but that was like that was a fun little side project so i did that and that summer um I, the, the owner was very generous and gave me a, a great stipend and a place to live for free but I wanted to make a little extra money uh, and so that's when I started programming like to make cash um, outside of high school at least and I found a rails gig in Framingham Massachusetts so you know outside of Boston um, started working there part-time while I was in college. Uh, I could start my junior year halfway through my, my my first semester I realized that I just can't, produce any more money like I couldn't get more loans uh, I still couldn't get financial aid and so I ended up having to drop out in the winter of my junior year um, and uh, luckily because I, w- I was working at that startup I was able just to sort of go hey you like me right and they're like yeah we love you and I'm like how about you pay me a full-time salary and they're like great <laughs> and so I just kind of fell into that job but it wasn't the uh, sort of sexy story of you know well, I don't need to go to college. I'm already doing great. I'm going to go be a millionaire now. It was very much like a broken dream, and I just had a really soft landing because I was sort of double dipping on two different career paths, I guess. Did you keep doing any of
0: the lighting-related work?
1: I tried. Um, I did some uh, I did some event lighting, like on weekends and stuff like that. Um, I found it really difficult to leave uh, – A really unique highly professional program and then do like summer stock you know uh like i i couldn't i couldn't like make the leap to do that sort of stuff it kind of bugged me to be the person that sort of knew what was going on and uh, i couldn't necessarily devote enough time to to be in charge or be the designer on a show or whatever and so i was just kind of helping out so i did a couple of years of um lighting design for the Connecticut drama association, which is like a high school theater competition where you like design all the lights and then the, the students come in and they use your design to put on their shows basically. Um, but after that, I kind of fell out of the, fell
0: out of the wheelhouse. Framingham's where I had my first ever apartment that I paid wow. for. Yeah. Yeah. Also the hometown of Doug Flutie, uh, and Katie Nolan, if you like, uh, That show on Fox Sports One, yeah. Wow. Much, yeah. Many famous. Actually, that's not even true. Not many famous people from Framingham, but a few. So, so then, did you? Well, like, I mean, it sounds like it was not. It was sort of a bad news story to begin with. But since from then till now, so what is that? Like eight or nine years ago, or or Um, yeah, maybe eight years ago. So, what have you? Has it? bugged you you didn't finish or uh, have you wanted to go back have, have, have you not been sure like what's uh how have you felt about it
1: yeah sure so I, it's kind of two problems there's like the emotional side and the like functional side of this problem like the emotional side is more that like i just wish i finished you know um my mom didn't graduate from college my dad didn't graduate from college my grandparents uh came from lithuania and like had a definitely no college experience and so like there's a part of it that's just kind of like i wanted to like fulfill that you know i don't know expectation or dream or whatever you know my wife graduated from college you know i, I don't know it, it, it for, to some degree it's super normative for me to want to just go and finish you know college um I, some of my best sort of like you know i don't know Young adolescent memories are at college and not in the like let's go party and be crazy kind of way, but just in like uh, a pretty safe place to do dumb things and take risks on like what you're learning about, you know, um, that I miss. And so I was like, oh, it'd be nice to go back. the The functional problem for me, especially, is that my degree at Boston University was a Bachelor of Fine Arts, which means you basically do no liberal arts. Um, like none you take an English class and then all the other normal uh, normal liberal arts that you might take social studies science lab math none of that you don't take any of that and so trying to go finish your degree almost always requires you to start over Um, and then you bring the rest of your classes as like electives but you basically have to start from scratch Um, it's pretty unrealistic to think that I could go and finish a BFA because the reason why you don't take most schools don't require you to take liberal arts is because you do so much like practicum time um where you're like doing shows you're preparing for a show and that can happen way outside of class hours so um so unfortunately the functional problem is just how much work could potentially need to be done to get a degree that is potentially not useful (laughs) Uh,
0: (laughs) yeah but i mean i think i think that you covered the symbolism of the degree i think pretty well which is that um and i I think i think it's good to hear the story because a lot of people when they hear a story like this imagine kind of like a you know smart privileged hacker that's like i don't need this i already have a job blah 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 but like that wasn't total I mean you're obviously smart and a good programmer but like it wasn't like you were coming from a a long line of college graduates and you were being the rebel like that's oh no that's not the deal it was more like you you know you uh, in some ways kind of had to deal with some of the same challenges that everyone else had always had to deal with yeah it kind of symbolizes the opposite that people may project onto you when they hear the beginning of the story, at least.
1: Yeah, yeah, because most people now, like, you know, I'm gainfully employed. I've been in technology for a while to know that, like, the odds are it wasn't a fluke that someone hired me without having a degree, you know, that that sort of thing. Uh, So now it's totally more just, you know, emotional and not, you know, anything else. Because I definitely, when I left, I was, like, utterly convinced I was going to come back. I was like, I'm going to take a semester. I'm going to figure it out, and, you know, I'm going to come back. I'm just going to have to double down my senior year and finish, you know, uh, finish up. But, you know, life sort of happened, and that wasn't going to happen. I mean, one of my professors always said, especially in that career field, when when I told him I had to leave, he said, like, if you go make money, like if you go get a real job right now, you'll never come back because, you know, the art field isn't necessarily known for – (laughs) good paying jobs (laughs) uh especially coming from the other side of the fence where you're going into a technology job which is well paying you know especially for you know a a starter job uh you know the the general generally speaking uh they're
0: not not minimum wage um anymore so how Uh, much of the sort of the emotional uh mission would be to finish that degree or something resembling that degree versus any degree i would love love to go
1: finish that degree it's just basically impossible i would have to take a year off you know at least right yeah 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 depending on if they'd even let me back because after so much time they might want me to redo some stuff or whatever um but so so, I kind of ruled that out entirely. Like it hasn't to, been that
0: you know, long. I don't know. I think you could probably pick up.
1: Yeah, no, it's not that like oh my god, I don't know what I'm doing sort of thing. It's like uh, pretentious art schoolness, you know? Right. Like when I left, right? I like two months out, I got a letter from the college that like my specific division of it, with like my professor signatures in the bottom. Basically, like we're really worried that you're going to be able to come back in a semester and like get, you know have it together. And I was like, all right, well, (laughs) you know, I guess I could just stay out here and make a bunch of money that I'll definitely never make in that career path. Uh, And I mean, honestly, to be totally, totally upfront too, I mean, life happened, right? I, 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 uh, basically started seriously dating who is now my wife and, um, my, my, my career goal was always to tour, um. And I couldn't see a scenario where doing lighting touring would um, make having a marriage easy. <laughs> <You've> uh, seriously <laughs> frowned upon. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to I'm trying to word it carefully because I do know a lot of successful people that have done it very well, but I just don't think it would have worked for me. And so that was kind of the other nail in the coffin of that like life path was well, I didn't expect this to kind of happen this way, uh, and it did, and I'm happy that it did. So new, you know, fork in the road sort of thing.
0: So if you were to decide to kind of dealing with the practical constraints of your life now go back and get your degree how like what are the options available
1: yeah sure so i've done a ton of research on this so uh if you're in this boat i'm hoping i can help you right now (laughs) um so there's kind of three paths. uh one is start over just like completely start over transfer in a very small number of your credits um whether that's online in person uh whether it's an online non-for-profit an online for-profit uh you know a state school um, a community college any of that stuff's all an option but you basically have to start over and you bring the credits you have and you transfer them in just for electives the second option is similar online offline they allow you to bring usually like 30 or 40 credits and the rest you have to do in residence um and then the third option uh and I tried the second one by the way. Um the third option is the one that I also did but had I ended up pausing when I had uh Cooper or uh, when you know I, had, I now have a kid uh was to do a degree completion program which um some colleges offer and so I was doing it at University of Connecticut uh in person um where you bring in every single credit you have and you um you have to meet the liberal arts requirements, which is pretty much every college wants you to do that, um, and you need to do thirty credits in residence. Um, which Wait, is, so
0: what's the trade-off? Like, why wouldn't everyone
1: do the third?
0: It's not, um, it's
1: not available everywhere because it's not in the college's interest, really. Like, you know, like they you like I brought ninety credits, right? Right. And so I'm literally doing the 30 I need to do. Uh, maybe two
0: third, maybe a third or a half of which are liberal arts classes. And for those that, so for those that aren't either in the U.S. or uh, aren't in college yet or didn't go, so it's I think the average semester in in U.S. colleges is what maybe 18 credits. Is that sound right?
1: Yeah, like 12 to 18 credits. You usually graduate with 120 credits after four years.
0: Yeah. General, yeah. Yeah. So 18 speaking. would be a little high then. Yeah. So right. Yeah. 15, 16, maybe. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So 90s a lot. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I had like a basically, like I said, I mean, almost a complete, you know, degree. I just had three semesters left, and I had a, I, I had front loaded a ton of credits because at the time BU was like, I forget what it was. You could take like up to 20 credits a semester for no extra cost or something, and so I was like, great, let's do it, you know, because I, I was poor, and so I was thinking, oh wait, well I can just kind of front load this and pray, um, (laughs) and it worked kind of in my favor, uh, so. Uh, the, the, the downsides in my practical experience of doing this is I did three semesters at UConn trying to do between one and three classes a semester. And for reference, you live down the road from UConn. Yeah. Like, yeah. Literally. It's maybe a, I don't know, 10 or 15 minute drive. At the time it was a little longer, but no big deal. You know, uh, not, not, a, not a big deal at all. And, and UConn is University of Connecticut. For, yep. University of Connecticut, the Huskies. Um, and I took the problem at first was I had to take freshman level classes, like first semester freshman level classes. Oh man! <laughs> and with, with with freshmen with freshmen, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I don't, I like, I really don't want to sound like that douchey guy that's so far above them or something, because like that wasn't like my intention. It, but it was so difficult to. I was married. I had a kid. Uh, or I was, I was, or or my wife was pregnant. I think like we were like right there, you know, and um, the, it was an English composition class, and they were arguing about how unfair it was that the college was requiring police to be around during spring weekend, which was like uh, at UConn is a very notorious like um, drinking, flipping cars, setting them on fire sort of very event. notorious
0: time where people where, where there should be security <laughs> right right Where
1: like people shouldn't
0: be putting cars on fire
1: for example uh and so it's just like it, it was very difficult to do but both because of the my my co-students and because of the course material was so boring you know um and i would have to explain at the beginning of every course like hey i'm a working professional i travel for work there's gonna be times where i can't come to class like you know i need you to kind of tell me if that's okay or not because if it's not like i'm gonna have to drop like now you yeah, know when I,
0: when I was in college i just didn't show up i didn't give any preamble <laughs> i know i know i
1: want i i felt like it was super important to be up front because i mean i was at, at that point i was working at github and i was traveling a fair amount uh and so there were classes where I would be gone for two weeks, you know, and I would just have to kind of do the work in person. And I wanted it known so that group projects and stuff like that would maybe be a little bit more favorable to me. Um, just so I didn't uh, screw over other people also.
0: Now, you're, I mean, you're pretty baby faced. So I think that especially a couple years ago, you could be in a class and I don't think it'd feel like you wouldn't seem like an oh, no. old, old guy in the class.
1: No, people, people. It's funny because I was how old was I? have been twenty five maybe,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they knew though, because oh, because I had a wedding ring. That's what it was, <laughs> and so I would like, I would like, I was like, I would go in and they'd they'd ask me if I was married, and I'd say yes, and like, you know, that's the, I, I remember distinctly in that English class. That's what
0: set that group off. <laughs> so. <laughs> Oh, well, I mean, as people know, I've got a a kid that's a sophomore in college. I I cannot imagine going to a a class with kids that are her age or you're younger. I think it'd be like, I don't know. It'd be like the equivalent of smoking three bongs to me. And just like my head would, bl- <laughs> I'd be, I'd be like floating into the atmosphere. <laughs> just my mind blown by every single crazy thing that was said.
1: Yeah. So I mean, most of it, most of the problem was that I take, I've, I, I took six courses uh, as part of that. Um, one was a pro, a web development course.
0: Oh, stop it! Really?
1: Yeah, because I was like, oh, me. I was like, it's really, really stupid. I was like, oh, maybe I should take a course that's relevant to my career. And <laughs> real, I had to. That's real dumb. <laughs> I had to. T- I, I had to. Uh, you know, like, um, I had to take it to like get access to better courses or something. You know, because getting permission numbers was difficult, or I don't know, whatever. And um, and it was horrible. Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> like Python scripting ish and just absolutely horrible. <laughs> I can't. imagine.
0: I mean, you're you're a professional programmer. I, mean, I know. That sounds awful.
1: It was horrible. And so I did that. Was horrible. The two classes that I really enjoyed was um, oil in politics, and that was a no. class that was every other week on a Saturday from 9 a.m. until 3 p.m.
0: Oh, that's it, that's long. I mean, I like the yeah. idea of the class, but it's wow.
1: built it's built for adults. So everyone in the class was basically in this like, you know. Uh, you know, degree completion program. And so everyone was a working professional. And so it, not everyone, but almost everyone. And so it, it made the class a lot more interesting because everyone had a different background. They all wanted to be there, you know. Um, and the class was really interesting. I think I probably learned the most in that class out of any class that I've taken. Um, so that was cool. And then I had to take a math class. So I took a statistics class. Um, I'm not particularly good at math. Like, it's, uh, it's definitely a huge hole in my repertoire and so uh i was actually learning things and it was it was really great i i learned i learned quite a bit um i don't know that i like the oil and politics class i definitely think was a totally unique situation that would be hard to replicate online i could have taken the statistics class on coursera or you know any mooc i could find so
0: so what now so do you think is is it like do you still have the same Um, emotional uh, connection to wanting to complete and is the degree completion route kind of the the right way to go
1: yeah so i definitely still do i think it's gotten worse as my son has gotten older like if for some reason it feels like i if i'm gonna do this i have to like do this now or something or i don't know if for some reason it feels more Uh, immediate to finish, so yeah, totally. Uh, I think the unique thing is now, for whatever reason, it was uh, I went and met with them to say, Hey, like I'd like to restart, you know. Um, I but here's the like the catch is that I only want to take classes that are actually going to be interesting to me, and so (laughs) novel idea, right? And so I basically was like, And if we can't do that, then I I just don't think I'm gonna do it, you know. and so they were really great to work with me to find some classes that were interesting. And um, and we reached out to a professor about one class that was like a senior level, it was either a senior level business class or like a, a grad level business course or something that like, they were like, hey, Kyle's like a programmer, like at this you know thing, he's a professional, blah, blah, blah. And the professor gave me a, like a number to go take the class, you know? And so my, my thought is that if I can do that, while it might take me a little bit longer just because the classes will actually be like of interest and potentially difficult. um, uh, You know, I, I, I'm more likely to actually get something out of it. Cause like, that's, that's been the one thing dragging me down is the thought of taking another, uh, I forget how many I have to do six or seven classes and like just being boring and just useless, you know, Um, like I have to take another science class and because science classes take up so much time, like the only one I can take is like, astronomy or something and it's like that's like kind of interesting to me but it feels like so and then to pay like
0: astronomy seems like generally interesting
1: i don't know maybe (laughs) and just to pay like you know two thousand dollars or whatever it is like to take that you know when it's not even like i would love to take a chemistry class for example like i loved it in high school um but it's not possible because it just takes up too much time uh you yeah, know, so in, not to be crass, day.
0: so, so what, it, what are the financials around uh, degree completion?
1: Yeah, so you basically just, you're just a student, you know, I mean, I think I think UConn is, it's uh, for a normal-sized course, which I think at UConn is three credits, um, and then maybe science is like four credits or something like that. I believe it's somewhere between $2,000 and $2,700 a course. Um, you can still get financial aid, yeah. but it's not like cash, it's like the government will give you money still. Uh, that you then have to pay back, uh, and there's a there's a very small amount of like financial aid money that I would qualify for regardless of my economic status. Like, uh, it's not like when you're a normal student and you go and you're and you don't make very much money, and so the college goes, here's here's all this money for free uh, come here. Um, as a degree completion student, it's very much like there's a five hundred dollars. Thank you uh gift card that we can mail you you know like it's definitely uh not the same sort of structure so it's basically just a give us your money uh sort of arrangement i mean you get all the benefits of being a student at that college you know you're not like a cloistered off or anything um so depending on where you go that could actually be very valuable or useful
0: to you uh, but does so uconn like twenty thousand 000 give or take a year for in-state residents? Oh, man. Um, I think it's higher now. UConn recently,
1: um, like maybe in the last five, six, seven, eight years, uh, became a college of note-like, you know? Uh, (laughs) What does that even mean? I don't know what that means. as a a Connecticut resident, UConn, at least when I was in high school, UConn was like a safety school. And and to be totally clear, I was like a B-plus student in high school. Maybe, you know, like so – I would consider myself pretty average in high school, like good enough that people didn't care about you. (laughs) Um, And so uh, UConn was a safety school now. I know for certain that's not the case. And now in Connecticut, you have to go to like the regional uh, state colleges, like Eastern, Central, Mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So I only mentioned that because I think tuition has followed along. And so online it says tuition without like fees, room and board, all that stuff for in-state is ten five. Ten thousand sorry, ten thousand dollars ten thousand five hundred dollars without any fees or food or anything. Out of state, it's thirty-two thousand dollars.
0: Okay. So but it's a it's it's relatively good it's a relatively good deal for in state then compared yeah, to most yeah, places. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And it, there's like another three thousand dollars in fees. So I mean we're probably looking at something more like, you know, fourteen hundred dollars before you deal with food or housing, which I obviously wouldn't need to deal with, but um, but, yeah, so I mean, it's not it's not it's not bad. It's a very great school, great education, like all that stuff. It's just a matter of um i'm uh, I'm unconvinced that aside from finishing my degree and feeling like that chapter of my life is completed, that uh there'll be pockets of 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 great learning and experiences, but uh, I would guess more than fifty percent of it would be like, all right, just kind of working through this to finish it up, you know, which so makes you... the money be
0: uh feel a little bit harder to pay. If it didn't, if it didn't have some, like, kind of, if it didn't represent something that was personally important to you besides the sort of educational aspects, it sounds like you wouldn't consider doing it then. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that, I
1: don't know that, if if I were talking to anyone about going to college, I don't think I would sway
0: them either way, you know? Well, I think that that's so I'm glad you said that. I think that that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have the conversation is I think that hearing the details about your situation is a good, I I think it's a reminder that you usually don't know the details about people's situations, Mm -hmm. right? Because usually you hear a headline like, oh, he didn't finish college or he dropped out to go work in, you know, in some startup or she uh never went or took a break and never went you know who knows what, whatever the headline is and it's like easy to insert whatever narrative you imagine into the you know into yeah. the rest of the story yeah. and oftentimes it's not really that you know the, the, people have reasons uh, yeah sure. and the reasons for going back are all, all all interesting too um i've been thinking about this topic a lot lately because uh, uh i think a lot about what uh our oldest should do about college. Like, you know, would it be good for her to take time off? Is it, you know, is the kind of school she goes to the right school, etc. And yeah. uh, people are very opinionated about it.
1: Yeah. I, <laughs> like and randomly.
0: I you know, like anyone it seems opinionated about it.
1: Yeah. And uh, I yeah, I and I don't really uh I don't really get that. Like the one thing that I feel really lucky about with my college experience that i went knowing what i wanted and not necessarily what i wanted in life but what i wanted right then which i think made it a lot easier for me to have a good formative experience there in comparison to because i mean nothing i nothing i learned there is directly applicable to today a lot of what i learned there i use day to day but it's in the sort of like you know Team building, working together, solving
0: problems, that kind of stuff, you know? Uh, but you were advancing A ball down the field. I yeah, mean just yeah, because sure. you're not in the same field anymore. I think. Right, right. That's what I that's what I think I'm saying is,
1: you know, that makes it easier. I feel like when you go to college and you aren't even getting in a better direction, you know, like you don't feel like you're like you're just listless, uh, then I then I would wonder if Taking a year off to do to do a thing, not to not to just take it like I don't think taking a year off at that age and just being like I am gonna like figure it out as I go is a particularly good move. I think taking a year off or a semester off to do a thing, whatever that thing is, it could be working, it could be you know I don't know Peace Corps or whatever the you know applicable thing is these days. Uh, I think that's okay, but I don't know. I would be I would be super hesitant to like. <laughs> Even, I don't know. I don't. I don't think if I took a year off, I would have made a good, any good decisions. I kind of had no choice, and luckily had to make
0: money because I didn't have anywhere to go back to. I mean, my standard answer for this is that if, unless the uh, your financial reality says you have to take time to go work because you know your family needs it or you need it or you just don't have a choice, then well, okay, that's a thing. But if you're not in that situation, I think the only choice that seems like a bad an obviously bad one to me is to take a year off to work I actually think that take a year off to do almost anything else is better than take a year off to work sure All Right? because then you end up on the treadmill and good luck getting off of it you know like, like well it, 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 take a year off to work is like less the point to me than take a year off to start spending money yeah. that's actually the problem yeah, you know because yeah. then because mm-hmm. then you know problem with spending money is it's hard to stop but anyways well I, I enjoyed the the story I think it's uh I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting that your reasons to go back and get the degree seem entirely good, and have very little to do with like the degree in any in in, in, in like a educational way at least.
1: Well, yeah, because I mean, at this point, right? Like, if I were to go back and I would say, "Hey, I want to make this as applicable to my day to day as possible," I think I would leave hating myself. Like, if I went and did computer science or something, like, I really think i would just be angry i'd be I'd, I'd have Why? less money and be angry because <laughs> well i mean if i enjoyed theoretical stuff then maybe i could go that route with my degree but if i kind of going like the normal computer science route i would feel like um and I this is because this is what i think about normal like learning systems is so much of your degree or so much of learning how to code is not learning how to use algorithms and classes and object oriented whatever it's like learning how to solve problems learning how to work with other people learning how to work within systems like all this sort of thing and so that stuff i would find that like you wouldn't probably learn right like when i'm zipping up my code to send into you know blackboard and then have an automated thing run that tells me my thing's shitty like (laughs) great like i'm glad i just paid you three grand so that my this computer could tell me how bad i am even though you know odds are like odds are it's
0: not that bad you know i love the Uh, idea of you like resenting the static analyzer every night like damn, because i know it how it works like i've (laughs) written
1: them you know it's so it's like it's like my thought is that like it just feels like so uh like wizard of ozzy you know where it's like i know what's behind the curtain like i know this stupid thing is probably using a regex to
0: decide whether i should pass or fail you know but if you want the theory route I think that's a different deal or oh, yeah sort of for a sure more fundamental computer science yeah
1: yeah and, and if it, if it was that route I don't enjoy that personally but if, if if you know someone in my position did then I could totally see going that route where it's more like research you know that that sort of strain of education that I think is uniquely um valuable in a you know a university context whereas learning you know the job skills side of learning how to program i i just now i'm not saying going starting from scratch it's not valuable uh i just think for me now going in i would just have no choice but to roll my eyes most of the time <laughs> speaking of
0: rolling we should talk about our new sponsor roll bar yeah so I've, I've been checking them out <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. so we've got a new sponsor roll bar and uh yeah let me put my glasses on to read the screen at my navel <laughs> Hold, please. (laughs) Oh, boy. So one of the most frustrating things about being a developer is dealing with errors. Uh, One, uh, sometimes you have to rely on users to report errors, and we all know how well that goes. uh, Or dig through log files to try to figure out when and where the error happened, or get uh, the backtrace for the problem or whatever, or have a million alerts uh, flooding your inbox or phone or whatever uh, every day, ruining your day. Well, with Rollbar, you get the context, insights, and control you need to find and fix bugs faster and with a lot less noise. Rollbar works with all major languages and frameworks. Now, a quick aside, Uh, I I took a look through the list, and what I'm interested in trying Rollbar for, though I haven't yet, it's on my list, uh, it's literally on my to-do list to do this week, is to uh, hook it up to uh, two Ember apps that I have that are in production now that I actually don't have a sort of error-trapping service uh, hooked up for yet. And uh, they've got uh, sort of already worked out integrations with Ember and just about everything else you've ever seen, obviously, including Rails. It's easy to install, and you can start tracking production errors and deployments in eight minutes or less. Uh, You can integrate Rollbar into your existing workflow and send alerts to Slack or HipChat or automatically create new issues in GitHub or other non-GitHub places that will not be mentioned. Uh, I mean, I would have mentioned them, but Kyle has very strict Okay, rules. okay, stop. That's not true <laughs> at all. <laughs> well, hey, I'm not going to step on your toes. There's a special offer for Ruby on Rails. Listeners, if you go to rollbar.com slash ruby, Uh, You can sign up and get their bootstrap plan. That's the plan in the second column for free for 90 whole days. Now, the next line in this ad is my favorite line of any ad recently. That's basically 300,000 errors tracked for free. (laughs) Yeah, so if you're really, really shitty, the good news is for 90 days, Rollbar can tell you how bad you are for free. Yeah, yeah. If you have three hundred thousand errors you tracked in in ninety days, you should you should consider going back uh, and getting a lighting degree because <laughs> things. <laughs>
1: yeah, I love it.
0: You have not picked the right path.
1: <laughs> yeah. So hey, so like real talk on this roll bar thing. Uh, tried it out. It's you pretty, did. It's pretty slick. So a couple of my favorite features that I think you should. I'm just trying to entice Wait, hold, you.
0: Hold on. You never. You what? tried it out with what? You never have you never have side apps that you're working on
1: yeah well I I, I tried it out on an app that's running already
0: oh look at you yeah I'm, I'm what's, what's a side app please <laughs>
1: my god so three cool things I think it does uh, when an error happens it shows you immediately uh, the you know frequency that that error has occurred over the last 60 uh, minutes 60 hours and 60 days I think that's pretty slick because uh, I could see that being very valuable for uh, you know um. Uh, when when an error occurs and you're trying to determine like what sort of urgency you need to solve this problem uh it can identify suspect deploys Mm -hmm. where where it thinks the error came from which is pretty slick it can tell you from jimmy jimmy is usually the problem yeah exactly k daigle uh (laughs) it it can tell you the number of unique ips that have been affected by this error like that's
0: I that, like that one. That's pretty slick, right? Ring the bell on that one. The other Ding. two were were good, but that one's real good.
1: And so, and then I what I think this is a beta, this is a beta feature right now, but you can run arbitrary like SQL on your errors. And so, like they call it RQL apparently, but like it's basically like if you want to run SQL across like across all of your errors to see like maybe like, maybe all the errors are happening on one host or something, and you kind of, like, want to dig in and figure out how that works. Uh, you can do that, along with all the sort of other normal error tracking, deploy tracking, that kind of stuff. Um, so you can say, like,
0: show all the errors that affected this IP address?
1: Yeah, like, their example oh, is nice. for all occurrences of, of this particular error in the past 24 hours, group by user IP, and then show the total count number, of, number that have a host server host set average value of the response in seconds most recent timestamp, and then order by total count descending limits the top 100 rows and then they show you an example set of sequel like it's pretty in-depth and so while i don't think this is something you're gonna like bust out every day it's definitely a cool thing because i think If anything, for me, like what I look at these kinds of products, I love showing. I love when the products show you like what they're intending to do, like what the contract is with you, and by giving you a SQL interface, it's basically like we'll let you slice your data however you want, you know. Uh, And so it's been pretty cool. I mean, I uh, I I I I have uh, my errors uh, streaming into it, and so it's been it's been neat to kind of sit back and 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 watch it. uh, Watch it happen, and I'm at I'm only at like two hundred and eighty nine thousand so far, so I still you have eleven a 000. left. Yeah, well, that's good. Get some headroom, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, check good. them out. So what uh they should go to
0: rollbar. dot com slash ruby. Yeah, check them out. That's where you go, three hundred thousand errors for free. <laughs> uh. All right, well, you did your homework. I'm impressed.
1: Yeah, the okay, new yeah, sponsors, man. It's not Squarespace. Everyone knows what
0: Squarespace does. <laughs> yeah, you put on your your fancy pants. Dude. Yeah, exactly. I dressed up for work today. I wore my clean sweatpants. <laughs> it's like, what did you say you wore to Dean Kamen's house? Your nice jeans. <laughs> yeah, my nice jeans. I feel like I feel like the neighborhood
1: kid. He just went to his first. Uh, he's oh, like 12, man. and he just went to his first school dance or whatever right yeah no cargo pants i told them nice nice jeans
0: (laughs) so uh let's do a segment of shipped it we haven't talked about this but let's do it so shipped it's our ongoing series about what it takes to manage an application after it's let loose in the wild we partnered up with AppSignal to do this series they're uh our favorite application monitoring solution for ruby um they offer a great deal for people to listen. If you use the promo code SHIPPED, like S-H-I-P-P-E-D, it, SHIPPED, it, you get a free additional month beyond the standard deal that really is unique to this show. So uh, again, AppSignal.com, My all my production apps are monitored with AppSignal. And uh, anyways, let's talk about it. So I, uh, I added a new feature to a production app this week that uh, we talked about a little bit in Slack, but I figured we could talk about it for a bit more. Yeah. So, uh, notifications, so notifications are one of those features that, uh, at least in my experience, tend to not get the first class treatment in the MVP effort. Um, well, at least this used to be the case for me, um, where, you know, of course you need some notifications and I, I tend to work on, um, I think what people would call like business to business apps. so apps that are used by businesses selling and ban- managing business with other businesses. And uh, so notifications are always required in those apps, usually around sort of the order flow. You know, like you, like you have a requested order, you know this thing got canceled, that thing needs attention, that invoice is ready, you know all that sort of thing thing. And uh, And obviously businesses use uh, email uh, really as their sort of primary, communication tool so so uh, that's usually what the notifications are but i had never quite gotten it right in in prior systems it always felt like it was sort of tacked on and it wasn't unified and and handling alternative types of notifications was was tricky so with um with this app i actually delayed the notification system to later and then sort of kept a list of all of the types of notifications that I needed to have and then waited until the app was actually out there and running and then architected a unified notification system afterwards and actually uh, finished uh, finished it this week. So uh, some good things to talk about with that. So have you I mean, obviously, GitHub notifications is like one of the absolute most important features. Yeah, is it, You don't think so?
1: Yeah, no, it is. I just feel like notifications is like the thing that everyone drags out because you kind of have to, like a lot of apps need notifications. And it's probably the easiest way to shoot yourself in the foot probably. Yeah, so tell me more about what you mean by that. Well, so like when we talked about it, my, my, my sort of first sets of advice for you were like consider what life looks like when you know you have 100 million notifications or like 500 million notifications. And, and those numbers are, are kind of crazy but not – that crazy if you're, you know, if you can take your expected user base or your existing user base and, you know, multiply it by the number of events they're going to trigger. Because, you know, just by storing all that data and having to display it and then the methods in which you need to display it, um, you know, email, text message, phone call, uh, in in web, you know, whatever it is, uh, it's very easy for you to end up with an operational concern (laughs) uh, just by having all this data or, uh, you know, get some kind of gross uh, queries because you need to join to populate everything with all the data that you need, Um, kind of so on and so forth. And so I think that, you know, everyone wants some sort of notification system, but I don't think, like you basically said at the beginning, I don't think that most most people really sit down and, and really consider the reality of, of, of building this long-running system in,
0: into the application. So when you look at GitHub, uh, GitHub built its notification system well before you were there, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, like how, how right was the architecture? How wrong was it?
1: Um, so, I mean, kind of aside from right or wrong, uh, at this point it's running in its own like MySQL cluster. Uh, because it's just there's so many notifications that in order for us to keep uh my my understanding at least is in order to keep um you know the notifications in the database size and memory you know so the queries can be good
0: um it it, it requires its own infrastructure now now do you do you federate the queries or just sort of serial uh, serial or uh denormalize the data out into the notifications themselves
1: um so to be honest i don't know off the top of my head i mean my like you know my my advice to you when it came to okay you know how would you how would you build this was sort of two basically two line items that let you fill in the rest of the blanks (laughs) uh it was basically like write it so that you can remove records easily meaning you know write it so that you don't need to hold a notification from day 1 in the database uh on day 300 yeah. um that was a big one and then now two, that
0: one for what it's worth before we go to number 2 yeah yeah that one seems like just a business decision sure i mean in other words like i didn't see anything so like so i did write it that way but i didn't i didn't feel anything architecturally that like I don't know, was problem like, I didn't see any dead ends where I was like, uh-oh, if I do that, then it'd be difficult to, like, truncate every, in a rolling, I don't know, 100-day window or something.
1: Yeah, it just depends on what, when you decide to do that, you know, truncating. Yeah, um, you know, and as long as the
0: expectation isn't that, like, okay, you, you know, forever we will retain right. this as the log of activity. Exactly, exactly.
1: Know if you're building a notification system or a, like, commit log. You know, like if you're building something that can
0: never change. Um, That's sort of what I, actually, that's what I took from the advice. It's like just, because there was one part in this app where the the commit log, so to speak, the series of changes is like a first class concern. And I actually just hoisted it up into its own model for that reason. But then, and I think that the comment that you made was good for me to think about. And like, okay, are there any other places where, Truncating the notifications would feel like I lost something important. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, then hoist those up to the first class sort of model level, too. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, continue.
1: Yep. The other thing was basically treat your notifications as a snapshot in time. And so, you know, uh, your sort of initial uh, thought maybe be well, I want to be able to join over to the user that's being notified or join over to the object that caused this notification. Um, you know That's all well and good, but it's very easy for those objects to change by the time you render the notification in the web UI, for example, or potentially even build an email and send it off if you're doing it like in a background job. And so my advice was primarily that you can have those relationships and keep those relationships, but it's probably a good idea to take the objects that are necessary to build the, the text of the notification and either build the notification and store that, if that makes sense for your application, or take the necessary tidbits, serialize the sort of locked in form at this moment in time. This is what the world looked like so I could build my notification based on it. And then you can continue to have the relationships if those prove valuable to you. Um, And this is primarily coming from a lot of my like webhook experience where an event happens and then by the time you go to trigger the notification or send the delivery, um, the object has changed. Um, and so the event has been triggered, but the data being sent isn't actually real. Like what, what is happening or has happened? Um, and that can happen if your jobs either take a little bit too long to go or a user's making changes very rapidly. Um, and so being able to serialize that moment in time and either
0: store that in the database or pass it to a background job, uh, would be very valuable. I mean, it's an interesting question, um, for what it's worth that if you're sending a notification, uh on about something that has changed between the time where you Decided you wanted to send it and the time you are sending it like should you even send those? Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it depends on the purpose of the notification. I mean back back to the point if it's like a sort of a, a History of changes then yes, but if it's like some sort of alert to what is the case now then no I What's your what's the philosophy on that point? Then are are you sort of treating it as well? I'm just going to let them know what had happened, and then if something else happened, there would be another you know event later.
1: Most notification systems aren't built to be smart, you know, um, meaning uh, you know if you've decided that a notification is important to trigger and share with an end user, uh, this thing has been closed. Um, the fact that it's immediately been been reopened that. That those two changes might actually be valuable to the user. Uh, your app might roll those up into a single message uh, instead of sending two separate emails or whatever, um, two separate web UI notifications. Uh, you might decide to drop the other one and only deliver, um, you know, the the reopened uh, move because it's the it's the newest one by the time the delivery happened. But my my point more so is is those are those are some of the decisions you can make if if you have the actual reality, that moment in time on both of those notifications, your business rules can decide, ah, this happens so quickly, we wait, uh, you know, we wait, say, two minutes before we send emails, so we're gonna glom them all up or drop all but the newest one and send that. But if you're joining for each one of those, all of those notifications could potentially look very, very similar, uh, if not exactly the same, depending on how your system's architected. So at least by putting that tiny little bit of, you know, serialized moment in time data you can make those decisions uh you know either down the road or uh you know when when you go to actually deliver the message
0: so i I took the advice for what it's worth um and the way that i did it i think is sort of somewhat interesting to talk about i've used this technique before and it it sounds a little heavy-handed but i think it works kind of nice so i made a notification um model that then And I know people are going to sort of wrinkle their nose at this, but that's fine. So I used um, single table inheritance to have then subclasses of that for the different types of notifications. So Uh. this exactly Psy, noob, rookie. But uh, I've done this sort of thing a number of times, and I think it ends up working better than the alternatives for me. And that's – so so the reason I did it is that the different types of notifications are sort of fundamentally different. Like so in this app, they'd be things like – uh, a job was offered to, uh, this company or, uh, that company, um, accepted the job, an invoice was paid, uh, you know, those sorts of things, pretty typical business to business notifications. So I have for every type of notification, I have a subclass, and then I have a matching detail class for every subclass where, um, uh, uh, if, a, if a given type of notification needs to store, you know, a, a completely different set of attributes than another type, um, the, de- the associated detail class per notification subclass kind of knows what those things are. So instead of having just like a column of, uh, back to a, another episode we did, instead of having like serialized attribute where you just chuck everything in a hash, but then it's a pain in the ass because you can't really interact with it in a native, in a friendly way, um, Having these these sort of uh, having this has one relationship between the notification and its detail kind of gives you the benefits of saying hey show me all the notifications that are associated with this user but then having each of the no- notifications have attributes that are you know germane to that type of notification stored in a in kind of a more rails friendly way a uh, qu- query friendly way is probably the better way to say it. Does um, that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, so like, for example, like a given notification has an attribute, like a relationship to a tender. A tender is like the offer. And uh the tender's actually stored on that other model, the detail model, but everything kind of you know, you don't know that as the consumer of it. Um it ends up being pretty nice. Uh and I think that that getting that done, we didn't talk a lot about this in Slack, but uh, one of my primary goals was to have a unified concept of a notification. Okay, yeah. You know what I mean? So that mm-hmm. you could see, like, you could go to your, noti- you know, like, in GitHub, your notifications tab. Uh, um, or so that you could rely exclusively on the web if you didn't want to have actual, you know, notifications get sent to you by text or email or whatever. And, uh, anyway, so, mission accomplished. Yeah, I'd love to hear, I mean,
1: once you get some users into that and you start changing that system inevitably you know i'd love to hear sort of what it's like what you think you know because i think that's with notifications it's usually you know one of the one of the things you yak shave on the most or you just like phone in or you know you hate yourself at the end (laughs) and so it's always you know you kind of just make the best choices you can based on what you know now Um, and you, you may never be able to get better than that but i think i think we can always learn something when we try to Look at those systems, you know, a year out or six months out, or you know, ten thousand users out or a thousand users out, and see, uh, you know, what what changes you would have made, and if there's something you could have, you know, thought of in advance, or if that's just the nature of the business and you have to change them after, you know, after you've already gotten things going.
0: We did a show about a really related topic, but at least in my experience, for in business to business apps, the the notification is the app as much as anything else is to people. Like, like, in other words, like, that's the way that the majority of the users experience the app is through the notifications first and foremost, right? Because yeah. they're they're being told that they've been offered a $1,000 job or that, you know, it was accepted or that payment was sent. And, like, this isn't, a you know, the stuff that I write tends not to be you know, an app where, like, content is king, right? This isn't in people interacting with their photos. It's just people making money one way or another. Yeah, and so kind of the communication side of it ends up being much more first class than in almost anything else. Yeah, uh, makes sense. Yeah. Anyhow, so I will I will report back, but that's my that's my shipped it story of the week. Uh, ta-da, one ta-da. more sponsor, and then and then we'll wrap up. Uh, so this is the high flying no flutin end of the show show or end of the show sponsor Braintree. It was going to be the high flying no flutin halftime show that's now at the very end of the episode. Uh. <laughs> I know, so blew it. Braintree's code for easy online payments. If you're building a mobile app and searching for a simple payment solution, check out Braintree. The Braintree V.0 SDK makes it easy to offer multiple mobile payment types. You can start accepting PayPal, Apple Pay, Bitcoin, Venmo, credit cards, and more, all with a single integration. It just takes one small snippet of code. You're all set up in less than 10 minutes. Plus, they offer a quick, knowledgeable developer support if you have any questions. You can learn more and get $50,000 in transactions fee-free if you go to braintreepayments.com slash podcast. Again, braintreepayments.com slash railspodcast. Uh, they've been a great sponsor. It's a great service. Again, $50,000 in transactions fee-free for listeners. Uh, thanks to them for sponsoring. All right.
1: I'm getting on a plane, Sean. Where are you going? I'm going to Raleigh.
0: Raleigh. Raleigh. Huh. Yeah. It's been a while since I've been to Raleigh. I used to work with a guy that had a house in Raleigh. Um which which is kind of a funny side story that I won't tell now, but <laughs> a, a good place to that we had fun. In my uh my aunt and uncle and two cousins live in Raleigh, but uh, I don't go there that often. Maybe once every 3 years or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah, going to hang out with some GitHubers and uh, do some work. Really? Yeah.
0: Uh, That seems about as far from everyone as I could imagine.
1: There are two of my teammates live in the Metro Raleigh Durham area, the Research
0: Triangle, as they say.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna, I'm like, where should Daigle go? Well, smack dab in the middle of the Research Triangle. So
0: here I go. Uh, What's the purpose? Is this one of these like quarterly offsite powwows?
1: No, this is uh, one of those. uh, Hey, let's kind of like get together and work events so uh this is their github uh supports us in visiting co-workers and working with them and it's relatively inexpensive to go there so uh two of my teammates are there so we're just going to kind of go and work on a project and see ourselves and our human fleshy awfulness and uh it's gonna be great for how long you going uh through thursday
0: wow yeah now do you look forward to that sort of thing or dread it
1: uh, I almost always look forward to traveling uh, almost uh, this is I I get a direct flight from Hartford so ba boom <laughs> that makes a big difference it really makes a huge difference that's actually kind of how this whole trip started I was uh talking to some coworkers. <laughs> kayak and I was for like direct flights no I was like uh, I visited them once uh, when I when I when I get got off of uh baby leave like i i went i went to go like kind of like reattach to the team in raleigh and i was like oh my god there's direct flights and so i kept saying like hey i should come down because it's like a direct flight and it's not expensive you know the hour 45 minute flight hour 30 minute flight uh and they're like yeah 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 and so we just kind of did it
0: so now do you know what you're working on you're gonna figure that out down there Uh, a little bit of both your golf game i don't golf no i i own golf clubs like if i invited you to play golf you'd say no i would Mm -hmm. ask
1: who else was coming (laughs) (laughs) and if it was like just you and me or just you and me and two other goofs i would totally come if it was you and me and like two clients of yours that you're trying to impress i'd say i'll carry your clubs if you'd like (laughs) (laughs) i am not good (laughs) no but like yeah. I
0: mean everyone says they're a bad golfer. But no, I'm like bad. You, you I are I'm like
1: double par bad. <laughs> like getting double par would be considered a good day in Dagoland. I just I I've, I've never learned. And all my friends are like you should come and I go and like luckily almost everyone's bad in some way so like being double bad doesn't really matter. But I've never really figured out how to actually swing a golf club, so maybe we could do an on-site uh, <laughs>
0: podcast special edition. <laughs> I grew—I don't play golf often anymore. I haven't for uh, some number of years, probably about six years now, since I played regularly at all. But I played a lot as a kid. So, if you play a lot as a kid, you kind of know how to golf yeah Um, makes sense you know so i can i can i'm not good but i
1: I was in a sports deficient family and so unfortunately i don't have a lot of experience to draw on here (laughs) no
0: no my dad's a pretty avid golfer so i i played with him uh all right last topic for me is i tried marley spoon oh Uh, my god
1: can we so here's my thought actually on this before we just talk real quick about how great it is mm -hmm. i think we need to approach marley spoon this will have been the second
0: Delicious ad spot that they've had for free. <laughs> well, here's my here's my request for Marley Spoon. I, I want, like, I don't. I'm not a guy that often kind of feels compelled to leave reviews about things. Like, I don't like write Yelp reviews or or uh, you know, methodically go through my Amazon purchases and give feedback. The one time recently that I felt compelled to give feedback is about Marley Spoon recipes, and they don't have any feedback.
1: Let me drop this on you. I just got an email from Marley Spoon asking me to rate their meals
0: i don't even understand where i i went i i like proactively sought this they they emailed me i don't know they they like it's just like like the, the chef is like hey kyle or <laughs>
1: yeah. like their notification <laughs> system yeah. sent he texted me he was like what up bro uh yo how how how, how are those tangy yogurt noodles they good oh my god so good by the way. Oh, i don't know they they sent me an email
0: uh, did you like the tangy yogurt noodles?
1: I actually haven't made them yet. They're, oh sitting, they're sitting in the today was Daytona 500 day, and so unfortunately we weren't we weren't able to make make them. <laughs> it was a big <laughs> what, what it was because a big day. it was like
0: only like beer and burgers are allowed on Daytona 500 day, or
1: yeah. I mean, what else would you have on Daytona 500 day?
0: Yeah, I don't. I, that's what I would have. When, I think I mean, not that I I didn't celebrate, but if I was celebrating,
1: yeah, Daytona Day, man. They had a whole advertising campaign
0: for it. <laughs> Uh, I've been to the Daytona 500. Ugh, shut up. I have. Ugh, you're the worst. Yeah, you're yeah. that friend. I've been to the well. I mean, I've well, been there. I'm going to make it way worse. So I uh, we sponsored a NASCAR team at the time. Oh my god, I hate you even more. So I not only have been to the Daytona 500, but I met Jack Roush at the Daytona 500. Oh my god, uh, Carl Edwards. I like not just met like I talked to them for a while. Uh, so yeah. do you have any, uh, we are like getting off
1: the rails on this episode, but like, do you enjoy NASCAR or were you just like, eh, like I have an opportunity to go, like, how can I say no?
0: So it's, it's sort of like country music for me where as a kid, I barely knew it existed. Like I, I was unaware of country music and unaware of NASCAR completely. Okay. And I grew up, I grew up in New York. It just wasn't a thing. You know, my family wasn't into it. None of my friends were into it. As far as I knew, it didn't exist. It uh, turns out I kind of like both of them. Uh, I just didn't, didn't realize that till I was about your age. But, uh, we, so I, when I worked at Conway, we sponsored a NASCAR team. And, um, so I was sort of, for whatever reasons, I was part of the selection process when we were going through that, you know, oh should we sponsor a team? And, and the answer we, was yes. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, it wasn't like, we were right, completely right, right. dispassionate because I wasn't sure, a fan and sure.
0: the, the pre- president at the time, uh, uh John, who's, you know, my former business partner, a good friend of mine. He, uh, the former uh, Mr. Southeast Michigan, 1987, that, that John. Oh, yeah, I Googled for those photos. <laughs> no, not Google. But uh, anyways, he wasn't a NASCAR fan either, but it was a pretty good vehicle to reach the demographic that we were going after. And uh, so we kind of interviewed teams, and it came down to two teams. It was either um, Roush Fenway Racing, who was going to, um, they were offering up a new driver for the truck series named Colin Brown. Okay. Who's who we ended up picking, by the way. And then the other one was, I forget the team, it's another one of the big teams that um, uh, offered Ricky Stenhouse Jr.
1: Oh, No. I know. <laughs> so you 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 put your money on the wrong horse.
0: <laughs> yeah, we did. Well, so true story. So both. Yeah. So uh,
1: just just to, just to clarify this slightly, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is currently racing still, uh, and I don't know who this other person is. Maybe he's still doing trucks, but I don't know the name. No,
0: no, no. Well, no, so Colin. Well, I'll, I'll tell the story briefly. So um, they actually both flew out to our office. So like Colin Brown and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. plus the, you know, the actual team.
1: Wow. And Uh, like, so can you, can you as vaguely as you feel comfortable say how much money was online for this? Because an appearance feels like there should be a lot of money. Is it expensive?
0: Wait, an appearance? Like, like, so
1: they came out to you to pitch you to, to, to do. Yeah, they were selling us like
0: pick me. Right, right,
1: right. What I'm saying like, so, but like when you cut the check to, to, to them, like we're talking like 10 to 50, 50 to a hundred, a hundred up.
0: No, no, no. Is it I mean, cheap? It was a, n- no, it was not cheap. Okay. Like Now, the, the amount that we paid them was, instead of saying the amounts, because I'm not sure if it was public, The uh, for every $1 we paid the team, we spent three more on race-related promotion. So, like... Okay. It's sort of like when you buy a house, you sure. know, you, you have to know that it, like that's part of the cost, but then like furnishing it and heating it and yeah, yeah. decorating it and maintaining it, that's a lot more. Right. Sa- same with sponsoring an Ascar team. They gotcha. call it, so in, the, in the, the parlance, that's called activating your sponsorship. So the way to do it right is that you, you know, budget like say two to four activation dollars for every dollar of sponsorship dollars. Wow. Um. And activation means you throw like you know parties at the events where then you have your driver come and do Q&A with the you know 200 people that you invited that are customers to that event you have the so we had two was it two or one depending on the year we had up to two um like uh fake trucks well first it was trucks and then we actually sponsored the nationwide car later Ooh. So we had like a truck sometimes and then a car the other time that would like go and show up at our facilities and then like there would be like parties around it. That, so that's what they mean by activate. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so I went to Daytona because of that, because we had we had sponsored the team and I, you know, you get to do stuff like that. Uh, and it was yeah, it was very cool. Wow. I know. I can't believe I've never told you the story because I like I just gave the preface like I've got lots of good stories
1: yeah no i need this in
0: my life yeah i'm friends with colin brown on facebook like that's yeah he was uh oh. he was the uh he won the poll at um in the nationwide series when we sponsored him for uh, the biggest road race that year wow that was the gamble with him is he's a he's an ex like kind of a savant road racer that um uh, that was making the uh, kind of an open wheel road racer yeah um that was making the transition to nascar and he did he did okay i mean he went up to nationwide and he he did okay but now he's 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 back in the road racing wow yeah man anyhow so we got into this because of marley spoon and uh worth it (laughs) (laughs) yeah and yeah so marley spoon i would highly recommend it yeah free plug
1: great yeah there's no way for us to make money on this so please just go have a delicious dinner
0: (laughs) yeah yeah it's excellent all right, that's it. We've, we've reached the end of our episode.
1: Yeah, so uh, if you haven't checked it out already or saw me pimping it on Twitter, uh, please uh, go check out Treehouse's new course, GitHub Basics, by me and Allison Law, a coworker of mine. Uh, you get 50% off if you use the promo code GitHub50, uh, teamtreehouse.com. Check it out. They have a bunch of other great courses too, um, but I'm, I'll, I'd be particularly tickled if you go learn about GitHub if you're not familiar
0: already. Yeah, do that. I will do that. I still have not done that. Please, it's on my list now. Please do. Uh deb bootcamp, the first sponsor this sh- this week. Uh, check them out at devbootcamp.com slash Ruby. Uh we talked about Rollbar, brand new sponsor. Kyle really showed up for that spot. So yeah. <laughs> check them out at Rollbar.com slash Ruby. Uh Braintree, uh, longtime sponsor now. Again, fifty thousand dollars in transactions fee free at Braintreepayments.com. And as we mentioned in our Shipped It chat, uh, if you go to AppSignal, you can get a free month um, extra beyond what they offer if you use the code Shipped It. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm Barely Known, and I am K Daigle. Until next time, peace out.